You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman. And I'm Charles Kelso. And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week, we are joined by special guest, Glenn Gretland. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yeah, so, uh, Glenn, you um, run 7A Records. That's right. Uh, since um, 2015, I believe. It's been quite a few years. What got you to get 7A Records going? Well, it was really, um, you may know of Ian Lee. Uh, Ian Lee mm-hmm. helped me on the label, and um, it was really his idea to um, to reissue Mickey Dolan's MGM singles uh, which um, Ian had been working on for quite a long time and wasn't really getting anywhere. And um, finally, I, I sort of been following this whole sort of um, his whole attempt to release the MGM singles uh, on the internet. So I sort of I was sort of sitting in the background following his progress. And finally, one day he said, um, "I've now got a contact at Universal, uh, and um, I would like to license this album, but I don't know what to do." And I thought, well, that's me because, you know, I've been working more than 20 years in the music business and that's what I do for a living. I, I have another label called Not Now Music and we yeah. reissue um, uh, albums. Uh, and um, I thought this is where I can help and I'd love to help in the singles. So I said to Ian, the only way that Universal will ever license to us is if we start a company. You can't just walk in and say, I want, to, I want these tracks, you know. Right. <laughs> that's how um, that's how 7A started. And uh, the idea was that we would then release the album, shake hands, and go our separate ways again. <laughs> but we kind of it was such a big success, and we thought, why don't we do another one, do something else, another monkey, another monkey related album? Yeah. And then you know one followed another, and that's it. And um, that's amazing. Ian, Ian and I parted ways a couple of years ago. Uh, he's doing something completely different now, but we're still in touch, and uh, and I'm still doing it. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone who listens to this show should be familiar with 7A Records because a lot of times we'll do our what's happening in the world of the monkeys segment at the beginning of the show. And a lot of the time it's here's the new news from 7A Records. (laughs) (laughs) Usually that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, You guys do a fantastic job of putting these solo albums out. Uh, Things that I mean, the, the, the monkey solo careers were very fragmented. Um, yes. And usually didn't get the attention of what we thought that they should have gotten over the years. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's wonderful to see these, you know, a lot of times like the, the Dave Jones albums. Um, I mean, this one here that we're going to be talking about today is, you know, was was put out. But I mean, a lot of his stuff was, you know, you could get it on tape or you could get it on Laserdisc yeah. from Japan or you could buy it at, at concerts and things like that. But to see these albums getting these these wonderful lavish releases is just great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that that's kind of the... Uh, reason for starting 7A as well was not just the MDM singles. It was, that was, they're the albums that we wanted to buy as fans, Mm -hmm. but they weren't available. And that was like the whole reason for starting and sort of continuing the label with other releases, because um, we thought we, you know, as fans, we want to buy these albums and Mm. if they aren't out there, let's make them available. Um, And that goes for a lot of the solo material. I mean, the MGM singles were scattered all over the place, very difficult to find. And, um, you know, some of the live in Japan stuff and, um, mm-hmm. and and now the albums we're doing today, um, it, it's just nice. And as a fan, I've been a fan since I was 11 years old. 
uh, watching the reruns and I am um, I want to do them justice and I want to do as good a job as I, as I can and um, mm. otherwise I don't feel like I'm doing it justice so that's what I always try and do and I always thankfully we got so many great people helping us like um, uh, Henry Dilson, Gary Strobel mm-hmm. and uh, many other people who's got all these fantastic pictures right. and you know Mark Kleiner his fantastic knowledge on the liner notes um, and um, the releases wouldn't be the same without them so a huge credit should go out to them really mm-hmm. yeah and, and you were talking about um, becoming a fan when you were 11. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the monkeys. Well, I'm, I'm from Denmark originally, in Scandinavia. And um, uh, in Denmark, uh, you know, when I grew up, we had the usual sort of 10 channels or something. There wasn't right. like nowadays where you got hundreds. <laughs> but um, one of them started rerunning the uh, uh, the monkeys series, followed by Batman and I Dream of Genie. <laughs> Perfect. Although it was sort of TV shows from way before my time, I was hooked. You know, I, I was, uh, and that was it really. No, no looking back. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of how I got into a lot of older TV shows. When I was growing up, it was the 80s. But like you say, you had limited options on TV. So Nick at Night would be playing the Dick Van Dyke show. And so I'm watching the Dick Van Dyke show <laughs> because I have four other choices. <laughs> you know? There was no, you know, there was no uh, distractions, no phone distractions. No, right. You know, nowadays, it's quite easy to get distracted by everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Henry Diltz, and yeah, you can't go wrong with a Henry Diltz photo on the cover of an album. <laughs> he's he's just got the touch. I mean, every I, one of his photos that I've seen is just great. And what amazes me is how much he's actually done. I mean, how mm-hmm. many photos he's got. Right. And um, I know that n- not even half of them are probably that. That's you know what Gary Strobel is doing. He's archiving Henry's photos, and he's doing it every single day. And it, it, there's just so many that still haven't been either developed or archived uh, you know so there's still still lots more to come you know and that's an amazing treasure trove of of, of uh and he's been following the monkeys from the very beginning yeah we, we live here in the metro atlanta area and so we got super lucky just recently when when yes. you, you guys put out the um uh dolan sings rem and had the had the the, the launch event not far from where we live, we were able to drive up to Athens and and go to that event, and it was it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. well, we we talked about it at the time, but it was like, what are the odds that Mickey Dolans would have a big rec release party with like five hundred people at it, and it's like an hour and a half away from where we live, where we could just drive <laughs> right. over there? But the whole thing was just amazing, and and you you're lucky you live so close. I mean, obviously, I I I I had to be there, and I'm so glad that I flew over because it's mm-hmm. like a once in a lifetime event. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I got to meet Henry Dills there as well, actually, for the first time. It was amazing. Oh, yay. That was just an unforgettable experience, that whole uh, REM launch. And um, right. um, the sort of, they made us feel so welcome, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. and everybody we met from the mayor to uh, REM themselves and their manager, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, just unforgettable. And um, I mean, if I can tell you how that whole thing started, I mean, I, I, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big REM fan myself. And I, I'd always been sort of thinking in the back of my head for a few years, what would that song sound like if Mickey sang it? <laughs> and then, um, you know, I couldn't really get myself to ask Mickey because I thought, no, he's probably going to say no. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's, just, maybe it's a dumb idea, you know. And that, um, then Gary Strobel, again, uh, one day contacts me and says, you should really get Mickey to record Shiny Happy People. <laughs> I said, that's funny because I've, I've been thinking about R.E.M. and I've got a short list of songs. Um, and then he told me the story about uh, how that song was um, uh, supposedly about the monkeys and um, 
Um, and I, I did remember hearing that somewhere else. Um, and that sort of gave me the confidence to to approach Mickey and, and, and mm-hmm. make him an offer and say, would you know? And to my surprise, he came straight back and said, I'll do it. I love the idea. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Then started the whole process of, okay, what are we going to do? Um, I've already made a short list of, of uh, four songs. And um, first of all, we got to ask Christian if he's interested. And mm-hmm. thankfully, yes. Yeah. And I thought did an amazing job in coming up with the uh, the arrangements. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it is very different. You don't just want to do a karaoke album. You want to, you right. want it to be different, and um, mm-hmm. but not going too far away from the originals, but just different enough, you know. And Christian's great at that with Mickey. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, I had to contact uh, REM's manager to say, "Are you okay with us doing this? <laughs> we wouldn't like to do the whole thing just as <laughs> we told you can't." <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, well, he said, "I'll ask the guys," and thankfully, he said they love the idea and they can't wait to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was good, and um, they've just been so supportive. Their manager, Burgess Downs, and uh, everybody since you know, from start to finish, and uh, to then end up all of us together in one house <laughs> uh, the night before the release party was just un- unbelievable. Yeah, you know, the first person we saw was Bill Barry in the house, and he walks straight up to Mickey and he says, "You're the reason why I started drumming." <laughs> Mickey was, I think Mickey was a bit taken aback. He said, gosh, you know, I was only acting. I, was only acting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> right. At the time, you know, I thought it was real. Yeah. But that, that's the impact that the monkeys had on a lot of young people because you, you're at home on a Saturday morning dreaming of being one of these guys in a band. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that went on to be in bands. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, how do we follow up on something like this? You know, it's, it's right. quite different. Uh, but we're still thinking about it, and I hope Mickey will be up for it, you know, but um, it's, it's difficult to know what to do next. Right. Yeah, yeah and, that, and we're all looking forward to whatever you guys come up with, um, yeah. whatever Mickey, Mickey's up for. You know, like we, we, we've said before on here that he's at an age where if he wants to just go play golf and fish, he's perfectly Absolutely. entitled to do that. <laughs> but the yeah. fact that he's as active and performing and recording as he is is just a blessing to all of us. And so anything that he's – we'll be eagerly waiting for it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, previously, you'd worked with Christian Nesmith on uh, Dolan Sings Nesmith, which was a fantastic record. How did it? How did that collaboration come about? Because that seems to have been a, just a very successful collaboration across the board. Yes, I think that was actually uh, certainly Ian Lee had that idea for a long time. That's when mm-hmm. he was still with the company. But um, Mickey himself has mentioned several times in the past that he wanted to to do a, a, a Nesmith album, and. Um, and and Christian told me that on a tour bus, Mickey, had, you know, Mickey said one day, "I want to do Dolan sings Nesmith." Mm. And Christian said, um, "This is like a couple of years before it actually happened." And Christian said, "I want to produce that." Wow! So when the day finally came, again, I, you know, when I finally, when we finally scraped together enough money to try and, you know, make Mickey an offer for a whole album, that seemed like a sort of a, a natural one to do because um you know such great songs that Nesmith wrote and mm-hmm. also we, we this is before sort of Nesmith was still doing all right at the time you know he he wasn't mm-hmm. uh, you could obviously tell that he wasn't uh, you know as good as he was a couple of years earlier but we thought if we have to do this it really has to be now mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm just so pleased that we managed to do the whole thing and that he managed to listen to it while he was still with us, that means a lot. Because it would have felt, you know, it would have felt a bit strange to release it after he'd gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. So I'm so pleased that he he approved of it, and he he actually said he was very proud of it, which mm. is a nice. nice. 
But obviously Christian and Mickey again, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing on that album. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the kind of like the songs don't sound like monkeys songs, but they're the kind the type of music that if you enjoy monkeys type music that that you'll enjoy. It's not, you know, all of a sudden a dubstep album or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's but at the same time, not trying to sound like Nesmith songs turned into monkeys songs. Yes, yeah. I think Christian is so creative when it comes to melodies and uh, you know coming up with new arrangements mm-hmm. and he's even i've seen recently he's got another thing going on tiktok at the moment i don't know if right. you've seen him he does a new he does a guitar riff a day yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was so close to the originals they sound so close to tiktok keep using him they think it's serious <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just recently he's been porting some of those over to YouTube for folks who don't use TikTok. So yeah, if you're not following Christian Nesmith and Cersei Link for that matter, uh, yes. follow them because they they're just like a factory of fantastic music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah. Cersei uh, her involvement in, in both of those albums are just just make them that little bit special mm-hmm. because she really adds an extra ingredient to to everything uh, she does. Uh, leaving New York, for instance, I thought her, her vocals in the background are just amazing. Mm-hmm. And really lifts the song. Yeah, absolutely. And she's such a good singer. Mm-hmm. And even when she was touring with the Monkeys, I feel she added a, an extra an extra bit to those shows as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, songs like "Door Into Summer," where she's singing in the background, um, it just made it sound even better than I heard before. Mm-hmm. Now, the the record that you've got coming out as as we're recording this, it's out today. Is Davy Jones' "The Bell Records Story," uh, which is revisiting the his 1971 album, which was at the time called Davy Jones. How did you, your attention get turned to this album? Well, I, I, I noticed that it wasn't available anywhere. Mm. And uh, I know that it has been reissued in the past, but it's, it's, I think it's more than 10 years ago. It was out last time. Mm-hmm. And if you look now, or if you look recently on Amazon, you, you wouldn't find it. Uh, and so I think um, the sort of reissues from the past have been, must have been fairly small pressings or, um, it seems to be it seems to be quite rare, and I thought that was a shame. I, you know, mm. Again, I wanted the album to be out there for everybody to buy, um, and um, we were lucky that we we were able to license it from Sony. Add you know, add the bonus tracks to it. Um, but I think it's an important album that was sort of not misunderstood, but kind of maybe unfairly rejected, if that mm. makes sense, when it came yeah. out originally, mm-hmm. because it came out just after the Monkeys, and a lot of people didn't give it a fair listen. Right. Um, And it's it's got some great songs on it. Um, It's a real sort of 1970s sunshine pop album, if Mm. you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the the album opener, Road to Love, as an album opener, it's a great song. Um, And there's that uh, uh, David Gates track as well on there, which I think is amazing. Um, Look at me. And obviously, Girl is a bonus track that uh, a lot of people associate with him. Uh, and again, girl. I mean, if if you wanted to buy girl uh, on, on a physical product, you had to go and get the original single. It's mm-hmm. nice to get them all together in one collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a track on there, "I'll Believe in You," which I think is one of the most, probably one of the most beautiful songs that David recorded. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, there's certainly a lot of good stuff on there, and it's nice to be able to get it out there again. Yeah, it seemed for a while there that the version he did for the Brady Bunch movie in the '90s was more accept- was more available than <laughs> than the original version. That I mean, I I wasn't buying records in 1971 because I wasn't alive yet. But growing up, I was very familiar with Davy Jones from his appearance on the Brady Bunch, even even when I was young. And that song is very f- prominently featured on the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know it from that. Uh, so yeah. it's yeah, I think it's fantastic to have it included here. Well, a lot of people have. It's funny. There's a lot of comments online of people saying. 
is girl on there? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that wouldn't have been my first question, but it seemed to be a lot of people, you know, uh, they associate him with that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look on, I think if you look on Spotify, that probably is his most streamed song. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of people think, you know, it's definitely the one that people recognize. Right. Yeah, and our copy has been ordered, but it's not been arrived, hasn't been arrived yet. But Elaine, you've got, yeah, yours has arrived. So Elaine, have you had a chance to dig into it yet? Yes, I listened to it on my way to work yesterday morning. I I really enjoyed it, and I can see why um, it might not have been a big hit when it first came out, because it is very different from anything monkeys. Mm. It's even different from like early Davy Jones songs like the Manchester like it it just there's a lot of horns it's a lot of there were several songs on there that I'm like I could see him doing this on Broadway like mm-hmm. I could yeah. see like a big yeah. song and dance number kind of yeah yeah thing it's it's it it is a different everything but it's really good but I know I can understand why it didn't do well when it came mm-hmm. out in 71 because it was not yeah, I mean, it, what they were trying to do, and, and, and I have to really give credit to Mark Kleiner again for his research and his liner notes, uh, which I think are probably some of the best he's ever done, because he's tracked down pretty much everybody who's still alive who's had any involvement in this album, <laughs> including uh, <laughs> Jackie Mills's uh, secretary. <laughs> right, so Jackie Mills is no longer around, so who do we contact? Well, his secretary. <laughs> I don't know how he got her contact details, but she, thankfully, remembers a lot of meetings with Davy and Jackie Mills. Wow. And she said That's they amazing. had extensive meetings. They had lots of meetings about this album, trying to come up with the right songs. Bell Records really wanted this album to work. They really wanted to relaunch David's career. And they spent, you know, a lot of time and effort in trying to pick the right material. To be honest, it could have gone either way. It's one yeah. of those. He could have relaunched his career um, if, if maybe things had played out slightly differently. Um, right. One of Davis' daughters were born around the same time when it was released, uh, and he was in the UK, and he didn't really want to leave the, the newborn child, which you can yeah. understand. Mm. So the big tour that he should have done, uh, you know, to promote the album in the US, never happened. Mm. Instead, he ended up touring uh, Ireland and places in the UK. And uh, Mark has described some of the, there was a couple of really disastrous states in Ireland where. Um, there was fighting breaking out and things like that, not because of David, nothing to do with him, right. but it was just, it wasn't the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, you know, it might have sort of gained more publicity had he toured the States. Right. right. Also, right. some of these songs to me sound like, you know, very similar to um, what was going on, you know, sort of chart-wise at the time with the Partridge family and uh, uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn. And yeah. groups like that who were in the top 20 at the time. And obviously, they felt that they could uh, you know, have a decent chance. And I think some of these songs should have been in there. I think mm-hmm. Rainy Jane should have been a bigger hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Love and, um, but that's just not how it played out. And, and Mark tells the story really, really well in the liner notes about why, possibly why that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it was an unfortunate, like many other things, it's the album that could have, could have relaunched the career, but didn't. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah and I've always thought it was a shame that Davy's career didn't take off more in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily with the folks who were going down like the ACDC route and so forth, but <laughs> folks who were going, I mean, Donnie Marie were huge. Neil, my mom was obsessed with Neil Diamond. Like that, there was a, there was a market for that type of performer in the seventies. And I think Davy could, could have stepped right into that uh, off the success of the monkeys. But I mean, part of that may have just been typecasting because there were a lot of, <laughs> television celebrities in the 60s who did not have success in the 70s because they were typecast into the roles yeah that's right um so yeah it, it's it was unfortunate but um there's still i think there's some great songs on there um mm-hmm. and as you say some of them uh, could have been on broadway but other ones are sort of 70s sunshine pop mm-hmm. 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 yeah yeah it's listed in wikipedia as bubblegum pop <laughs> 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 which i don't think it's quite bubblegum pop but <laughs> no no, it's a bit, it's slightly more mature with, uh, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. orchestra behind him and things like that. Yeah. 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 And you guys always do such a, a wonderful presentation of the record. We always get the CD as well as the vinyl because you do get, there are differences between them. But also, I just love the vinyl to be able to, I mean, we, we do also play them, but to be able to open it up and have the large photos and sometimes there's pullouts and things like that. Uh, the Davy Jones Live in Japan was fantastic. Oh my God, that was amazing. That, that thing was like a Christmas present in itself. <laughs> it just stuff kept coming out of that thing. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. I think we may even have lost money on that one. I think we went a bit <laughs> and it had the whole tour booklet inside the, uh, right. inside the, um, the, the gate bowl, but it was nice to do. And it's just, it's just nice to, uh, to push the boat out and really give, give everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we could have quite easily sort of put our just sat back and done a really cheap version and mm-hmm. and 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 put our feet up on the table. But what would be the point in that? I mean, if right, I just feel if you're going to do it, you have to sort of put everything into it. We can, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, the David Jones Live in Japan had even included a DVD um, where you can watch the the performance, which is it's fantastic to have all of that. In one package, and it's it's wonder it was wonderful in that in that one to see him sort of coming alive on stage again so many years after the monkeys. We we had uh, a bit of difficulty tracking down the rights to that and mm. and to Mickey's live in Japan as well. But um, it's funny how you know I've been looking for years to see who owned the right, and we finally found the person. Wow! And I I remember I got a Japanese translator to to translate my my email to to, to this person in Japan. And she wrote back in fluent English. It might be better, easier if we just do this in English. <laughs> <laughs> A deal. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Uh. We're going to take an intermission. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. Don't change that channel. What he means to say is we'll be right back after the commercial. What if you could bring three experienced producers into your home each week to discuss your favorite movies and the people that made them? That's Tales from Hollywood Land. Your hosts, Arthur, Julian, and Steve, collectively have years of showbiz producing experience. Their weekly show is a fast-paced, fun, and very conversational experience, like spending a good time with your best movie-loving friends and family. Tales from Hollywood Land is available wherever fine podcasts are found. See you at the movies. So what is it about the monkeys that, that keeps this going? I mean, you mentioned you originally you guys were going to put out the one MGM singles collection and then walk away. But it seems like it's been release after release after release. It's fantastic for us. What keeps that drive going? 
Well, I, I think it's it, it excites me as much as uh, as anybody to 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 release these albums that I've I've known and these songs that I've known and loved since I was a teenager. Mm. And I, I, you know, as long as there's good material to release that that I feel should be out there, I'll, and as long as the albums you know, people keep buying them, then I'm I'll probably going to continue doing it. It's very much the case that one album still pays for the next. Mm. Yeah. So you know, we don't have a, a huge sort of a bank account or anything, but. Any sort of profit we make from one album, we tend to put into the next. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's how it works. I, I think we've said that on the show before. It's like, if you want to keep getting records from 7A, here's the <laughs> Go new buy release. records. Go buy it now so we can get another one. <laughs> right. Exactly right. And and these, I mean, even if you don't, I mean, there's folks out there who don't have record players these days. But even if you don't, I mean, I would say that the, the packaging and the materials that come with them are beautiful enough to just have as display pieces. Now, I mm-hmm. always recommend playing records, but anyone <laughs> who wants to buy them and just have them, they're they're just wonderful just if you're a collector. Yeah. And it seems that people, a lot of people are buying both, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably what, what I would have done as a fan. Right. But um, there is this whole vinyl revival still going mm-hmm. on. Right. Uh, but there are still a lot of people that, um, that, that buy CDs. I think CD is still the the most sold uh, physical media. Mm. So um, uh, it's it's important for us to do the packages as, as great as we can. Yeah, uh, you could easily just release the CD in a little cardboard sleeve, no liner notes, no nothing. But <laughs> then why would you why would you buy it if you already have the original album? You know, we, right. we want to try and make it special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, for some of the ones that you released earlier, um, are there any chances of being pressed again, or is it sort of like it's been done and there's just not the financial incentive to be able to like something like the MGM singles collection that's getting harder to get these days. Oh, the um, vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I think that's, that's doubtful, but maybe, okay. I mean, what, what I'm thinking is maybe in the future we can hopefully do an expanded package or something. Right. But I, okay. I, I got no idea whether, whether Mickey's got any more recordings, uh, you know, anywhere or whether he wants to do a separate project or um, I heard, I certainly heard wing Walker and uh, what was the other song? The Purple People Eater played at some of the concerts, mm. so there must be a master tape for those. Yeah, and they were they were meant to be MGM releases, but were never released. So okay. there will be some cool bonus tracks to have if if nothing else. So who knows? Uh, next year would be the tenth anniversary of of the, the release. Wow! So, awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing that you're already at the the tenth anniversary of seven A <laughs> releases. Time flies. I can't believe it myself. Right. <laughs> Well, you've built up quite a catalog uh, going through these. Um, I really enjoyed the Dol- the Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart reissue. I thought it was wonderful no, to be able to have that that wasn't one that I found at a record store that someone's cat had slept on for 20 years or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. the record stores are sort of hit and miss on what you find. I have, to be able to have this this new beautiful release of that was wonderful. Yeah. yeah that was one of my favorites, uh, but it didn't sell as well as the rest. And I think... Mm. It's difficult getting the these the sort of breaking the news to everybody, telling everybody about uh, why they should buy this. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, "I've already got that album," right. but we sort of saying, "Hang on, we found the master tape. This sounds a lot better than you've ever heard before, mm-hmm. and it also includes the whole Japanese concert on a separate disc." Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, I, I kind of wish I'd released them separately because a lot of people don't seem to get that that are getting this extra disc. Right. Um, so hopefully, if you can help spread the news, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Spread the word. always. Um, because it is, and, and to me, and a lot of people have said um, it sounds better than the original, uh, mm. uh, which I think is true. With, with sort of modern technology, modern pressing techniques, it makes sense that the reissue would sound better than the original, mm-hmm. uh, because um, 
it was rushed out, you know, when it, when it was done originally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was, the, the the way it works now, the 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 digital mixing and things, the the dynamic range is so much more mm-hmm. than what they had available back back in say the seventies. But also, I mean, it's a, a unless you're just a, a really good at keeping up your records, the record you bought in nineteen seventy eight or whatever. Is it you know? Is it's going to have dust? It's going to have scratches. It's going to have been dropped. You know, it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. wonderful to get these new like 180 gram like heavy duty vinyl and to be able to have a nice version that now as an adult you may take more care of than you did when you were 15. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, like, and no. that's what we try and do. And we, we we spend a lot of time remastering and making sure everything sounds as good as it can. Mm-hmm. And I know you you just not too long ago re- re- reissued Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart's I wonder what she's doing tonight. Is yes. there a, a chance of getting more Boyce and Hart reissues? I'm certainly thinking about it. Uh, it, it, it was again, that was one of my favorite albums that uh, yeah. um, that not a lot of people knew about. Mm. You know, it was a it was kind of a, a lost gem of the 60s. It was a real cool 60s album. Right. Um, and um and it wasn't available, you know, it, it hadn't been pressed for more than 20 years when we did ours. Mm. Uh, and it just felt right to get it back out. Yeah, I, I hope it keeps selling. And I was certainly considered doing one of the, one of the other albums that did together. Um, because they're, they're, they're really important sort of slices of pieces of 60s music. Mm-hmm. But that album, I wonder what she's doing tonight. I, I just think nearly all the songs are just great. It's mm-hmm. one of those albums you can put on without having to, to skip through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's not a lot of skippers on that one. That, that's a wonderful album. And, and Boyce and Hart, in addition to their heavy involvement in the early monkeys, I mean, they they touched a lot of different '60s television properties. I mean, they'll be showing up here and there on on, on a lot of different shows. Uh, they were very active in that scene. So if, even if you're not as big a fan of '60s music generally, if you enjoy '60s television, Boyce and Hart mm-hmm. are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they they almost. Uh, there's this rumor, which is in the liner notes as well, that uh, actually it's not a rumor. Bobby Hart said in an interview that he was approached by Brian Wilson. Uh, I think it was Brian Wilson, or was it Al Jardine? Okay. To ask if he wanted to produce the next Beach Boys album. Wow. Uh, and um, at the time, they at the, back then they didn't have time to do it and uh, didn't have them for some reason. But I can understand why when you listen to the album, because mm. it does have a little bit of Beach Boys to it, mm-hmm. that, that sound. Mm. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the ending of some of the tracks. Uh, they're very clever producers. I imagine living a life where you were once too busy to produce a Beach Boys album. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good reason. <laughs> but that was uh, Bobby Hart who said, I, I don't know why, whether they were touring or there must have been a particular reason. Right. Wow. Well, uh, you, you've released a few. Uh, I mean, quite a few, you know, really nice Davy Jones releases. And I hope you continue because Davy seems to have had a a contentious relationship with record labels over the years. And I I feel like his output was very scattershot as far as as availability and as far as the quality of releases and so forth. So I would love for for more of Davy's releases to get these these really nice, you know, issues. Well, you you uh, you you might be in luck because we're working on uh, reissuing Incredible. Oh, incredible album from. Yay. From 1988, yeah, and um, and I can tell you, I, I think it's coming along. It's one of those albums again. It was only released on his own label, quite difficult to get uh, for a short period of time, mm-hmm. and it could have lost. You know, it could have launched his solo career again in the 1980s, right? Because there's some great songs on there. Um, but he was so busy touring with the Monkees that he never really got promoted. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think obviously they had a very successful tour, the Monkeys, in 1986 and 1987, and yeah. continued into 1989. And he just didn't have the 
time or I guess energy to to really promote it. Right. Um, which is um, a shame when you think about how how good some of those songs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's one that I really wanted to do justice, and I wanted to do absolutely everything we could to make it sound and look as good as possible. And Davis Estate has been extremely helpful, uh, and we got some really cool bonus tracks on there. With some, uh, I'm gonna maybe if you'll have me back, I'll come back and tell you about yeah, it. Absolutely. Yes. But, but there's songs like "Hanging by a Thread" and "Don't Go," and there's some great songs on there that should have been mm. hits at the time had they been released as singles. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And now this, it may be too early to answer this question, so feel free to, to not. <laughs> but would the cover have Davy's head pasted onto Jim Morrison's body? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, that, that took me a while. I didn't. I don't know why that was done, but hey ho. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't. It wasn't easy because um, we weren't able to track down who took that original photo that was used in the cassette version. Okay. That David released, and we. We asked around uh, the family and everybody. So we had to come up with a new cover, which we hope people uh, will feel does it justice. Mm. Um, okay. It's a Henry Diltz photo, which we'll reveal, okay. but uh, yeah. it's from the same from the same period. Okay, great. Yeah, and like I said before, you can't go wrong with a Henry Diltz photo. Yeah, it's, but it's not Jim Morrison's body. Now, you previously, uh, when you when you reissued uh, Tantamount to Treason, that also had a different cover. Yeah. That was purely uh, an idea I had because um, I suddenly found out that the artist who did the original cover mm. was still alive and he was still working. And again, I just wanted to try and make it a bit different uh, mm. and see if we could add something to it. I didn't want to take anything away from the original, so we still had the original cover in, mm. you know, on the inside when you opened the packaging. But I just thought, it's been 50 years, it was the 50th anniversary of the album. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought, uh, what could we do? Why don't we ask the artist to try and uh, paint the, the cover like he would do it today if mm-hmm. there was a brand new assignment today? And as it turned out, things hadn't actually gotten – it's all about in, environmental disasters and stuff, um, and things haven't exactly gotten any better in the last 50 years. Right. So there was still forest fires and pollution and stuff going on on the cover. Um but I'm glad we did it. Some people are saying, why did you change the cover? But I just wanted to, to try and mark the fact that it was the 50th anniversary and mm-hmm. try to do it a little bit different. Yeah. I know some fans are, are very persnickety about that sort of thing. I think it's cool because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for one, I mean, at a glance from across the room, you can tell what issue you're looking at. <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. yeah. You don't have to pick it up and examine it to see what year it was issued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that you were able to get the same artist mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. something for the re-release. So that was really cool to see what his vision is now, 50 years later, versus yeah. when it came out. That was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We all like the new cover. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> and, I, and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that, you know, like Peter Tork was has been pretty res- reticent about working with labels uh, in his in his later years. Is there any chance of having more Peter Tork issues coming out? But it wasn't kind of, he never sort of rejected anything. He was just not very interested. And it mm-hmm. just wasn't a priority for him, which looking back and, you know, with the healthiest issues and everything, uh, you can, you can understand, you know, he sure. had other things on his mind and, um, you know, releasing or re-releasing older material just wasn't anything that he really wanted to do. Um, but we would love to do some more stuff and we have, you know, we in touch with his, his family and, uh, and um, uh, it'd be nice to do another project for mm. sure. 
It's just a question of what, but you know, there, right. there's yeah, there's probably still a lot of tapes that they haven't even been through. You know, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it must be a thrill to be in your position and be able to, like, for instance, with the Mickey Dolan Singles Collection and put it together for the first time in this really high quality issue, and then hand it to Mickey and and get his response. I mean, what kind of response have you gotten from the the monkeys who were surviving at the time about uh, how these reissues were coming out? Well, he he loved the pack. I mean, that was the first thing on the MGM singles back then. He loved the packaging, and I think he was very surprised that somebody was putting it out and uh, managed to track it all down. And uh, and again, we had a, a big booklet. I think we had a booklet that went with the vinyl, didn't we? Yeah. It was uh, yeah. We just we tried to do everything we could, and yeah, he was he was very pleased and sent us some photos of him holding it, and <laughs> you know, that was good. But I think that the ones that obviously that he's He's proud of himself and that we are very proud of our Dolan Sings Nesmith and the R.E.M. songs. Yeah. yeah. Right. I would love to hear more Michael Nesmith reissues coming out as well. He's probably had the, the the best success having his music released over the years, his solo career. But even still, I I love having these these new reissues coming out. It gives us fans something to get excited and something new to listen to. Yeah. So I'm always up for that. Well, there's loads more we'd love to do. Obviously, there's been... Uh, you may have said that he passed away, and and I, I'm not even sure if the estate has been settled yet. Mm. And obviously, <laughs> un, until it has, there's obviously, right. yeah, you know, it wouldn't be right to ask uh, for anybody to look into that. But um, yeah. uh, and then you got the Sony Sony material. It is something that we could look at. But uh, I think some of those Sony albums, um, we might well reissue some of those possibly in the future. But they have been out before. Mm-hmm. And we always want to try and do something slightly different. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's something that we, we have to think about. What, how can we make them different if we were yeah. to do them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because um, obviously the sort of trilogy of, of albums that he did with um, Loose Salute and Nevada Fighter, uh, Magnetic South, um, are probably the most reissued of all the, the Monkey Solo material. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been out on Sundays and other labels as well, you know, so... Um, but again, you know, sometimes I, I, I'm surprised when I look them up and I say, wow, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> so some, sometimes it hasn't been reissued for 20 years. So, yeah, it, it, it's possibly worth looking into. Mm-hmm. As being a Monkees fan, anytime you're a Monkees fan and you're on Monkees forums and things like that, there's always people who are passing around board recordings and things like that. Do you in your position ever see one of those and go, ooh? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does happen. Uh, and uh, quite often we, we – we, some I've made a few offers in the past and mm-hmm. – uh, when I don't hear anything back, it usually means no. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and I think um, a lot of artists are very conscious about live recordings. Right. And uh, it, it's if, if they don't, they don't necessarily want to sit and listen to the whole concert. Unless, you know, I think it, it has to be something that the artist is really interested in. And I, I actually tried it, it sort of non-monkeys related. I tried to issue some Sus- Suzanne Vega recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I um, I had this great BBC concert, and I got a good contact at the BBC, so I cleared it with the BBC, but I need to clear it with her. And uh, I don't think it got past the manager even, because it's just, I mean, to me it sounds great, but a lot of, you know, a lot of artists, it's not really a priority. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very much secondary, and if it's a live recording, that they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to feel that it's sort of uh, not as good as the rest of their catalogue, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, right. So unless you can offer an awful lot of money, which we can't, then sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and recently you guys have been expanding more and more outside of just doing monkey solo releases, and uh, we we were really enjoying the lemon sherbets. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you had it. Yeah. 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 
Um, that that's a great power pop album, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always difficult to try and, and get a new act out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, but they're, they're apparently they're going to be on the Isle of Wight Festival in the oh. UK soon, which is a really big yeah. festival. So um, yeah, we look forward to that. I think I saw something on Twitter about there being a follow up album on the way. Am I am I correct about that, or am I mistaken about that? I haven't heard the album yet, but I know they're okay. recording. I look forward to hearing, you know, oh, yeah. what they're doing. Okay. Uh, but they're great, in my opinion, great songwriters, and mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of fun in their music. You know, it's got, mm-hmm. a, and there's a lot of. Yeah. Uh, um, they're not necessarily big monkeys fans at all. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the way they write, and it actually sounds like you could actually hear Mickey singing all of those songs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very much that style. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but they're huge Beatles fans, and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that's really what expi- inspires them. Yeah. And that's something we preached on the show before was, I mean, a lot of times Monkeys fans are coming to 7A Records because obviously because of what you've released before. But if you enjoy the releases from 7A Records, take a look at the ones that are outside the Monkeys catalog. Because yeah. the to me, I'm not in the industry, but to me, it seems like the better 7A does across the board, the more opportunities there are mm-hmm. uh, to put out Monkeys solo albums and things like that. Monkeys related things or Monkeys adjacent things. Um, not everything's going to be everyone's cup of tea, but at least give it a look and see if it's something else in that catalog that you might be interested in picking up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd love to release Monkeys albums every day if I could. Um, but we have to have other artists as well sometimes to... Uh, and, and what would sometimes happen, some of these uh, managers or artists might look at the website and say, oh, this is all monkey stuff. Right. Uh, where, where, where do I fit in? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's important for us to have a little bit of a variety of titles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and monkey, there's a lot of monkey solo material to pull from, but it is a finite resource. Yeah. At some point, you, right. get, you, you get to the end of the stack. <laughs> you know? Unless you keep recording new, new stuff with Mickey. Sadly, yes. only Mickey's left to, yeah. 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 Well, please, please do. <laughs> you know, we, we will buy it. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I've really enjoyed uh, the releases that he's done through you guys, and I, I enjoyed his previous stuff too. I enjoy Remember and a little bit rock, Broadway, a little bit rock and roll, and things like that. But I mean, it, I've I've really enjoyed uh, specifically the releases that he's done uh, with you guys, with Dolan sings Nesmith and now Dolan sings REM. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. And swinging back around to Dolan sings REM, I was really impressed with how supportive they were and how supportive their fans were. Oh, yeah. Because you're always kind of looking as as the monkeys fan in an REM message group, like is everyone yeah. going to be trashing on this and <laughs> acting like here's this old guy? I have to admit, I was a bit scared about the uh, the, the fans' reaction, but I'd say ninety eight percent positive. You know, yeah. I, mm-hmm. so much positivity out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there's always going to be that person on the internet who thinks everything stinks, but. <laughs> Um, you know, if the REM put a new album, there'd be that guy who thinks it stinks. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. But also, Michael Stipe flew in from Amsterdam just to meet Mickey. Wow, wow. that's amazing! So wow. That, that's, uh, and you know, who, who would have thought? And I told Mickey in the in the car to the house. I said, "You know, Michael Stipe's flown in from Amsterdam to meet you." He said, "Gosh," he said, "I hope I don't disappoint." <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were in Athens and they had like the rooftop. Thing going on and I had walked around there and everybody was coming down the stairs and all of a sudden I realized right in front of me was Michael Stipe and I started following him I was almost fangirling just as hard for Michael Stipe <laughs> as I was Mickey Dolan because Michael Stipe always seemed like one of those far away kind of people like unreachable and he's he's out here I'm never gonna be that and I was just like oh my gosh I'm walking right behind Michael Stipe and he is right here so yeah. it was that, that was yeah that was a really great day there's something about all of those guys that it's very sort of 
I don't know how to say it, but they, they certainly all have their feet on the ground and they are very relaxed and very easy to talk to and, and very sort of um, accommodating. And, you know, um, something about the whole Athens, the whole Georgia, they're certainly down to earth, you know, they're not difficult to talk to. And you can understand if there's a big fan gathering, there's thousands of people, it might be different, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but when you actually get them in a room for dinner or something, everybody's right down to earth, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I was really, really pleased with the whole the whole trip there and how... Um, and obviously, we had uh, we tried to get the, the car that was on the front cover. Yeah, and you probably you might have heard that story. Yes. So, oh yes, yeah. we we saw and, it before that, it drove off. <laughs> and I have to give credit to Jodie Ritson for organizing. Uh, yeah, she's most amazing. Of this stuff. I mean, whereas it was sort of my idea to to, to record the uh, the EP, she came up with the idea of doing the launch party at mm-hmm. the record store, which I hadn't thought about. Uh, you know, mm. I, I I knew it was still there, but I didn't think about doing a launch party, and that was a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she even tracked, you know, she got hold of the mayor's office and he immediately said, I'll give him the key to the city. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And um, tracked down somebody who had this car, this old Buick that looks a lot like the one on the front cover. Mm-hmm. And um, he went to pick up Mickey from his hotel and he locked the keys in the trunk somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were in his jacket and he put his jacket in the trunk of the car. And then mm. that couldn't happen with a new car. Only, you no. know, so obviously, car, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the car would yell at you. Yeah, <laughs> and then I was I was with Bill Berry and Arian when that when that happened, and um, um, Bill Berry immediately said, "I'll send my chauffeur to pick him up." Oh, I went. <laughs> Arian's manager uh, said, "No, I'll pick him up." So he went to his hotel to pick him up. It was very kind of him. Yeah, that that, that is nice. And you, I hate it for Mickey that he missed out on the big uh, entrance in the car. It seems fitting for a, a monkey's related thing there's got to be some kind of a mishap you know you, you can't just go pick him up and bring him back you, you get captured by pirates or something along the way yeah you might not have been able to get through anyway because there was a homecoming parade yeah on yeah. the same mm-hmm. street on the same day so it was all going on yeah and i have to expect that you guys weren't anticipating the turnout that ended up coming to this thing when you were initially had the idea for a record release party no obviously i, I knew that they pre-sold a certain amount of records in the shop right uh, that people uh, people had to sort of uh, buy an album that Mickey would sign, you know, sort of the night before, because mm-hmm. otherwise he'd be sitting there literally the whole day signing, <laughs> which was, you know, that would be really hard work. So right. he sort of signed everything the night before, and then people could come to the shop and pick them up, and they could then get a picture with Mickey. And that's yeah. where, you know, that's where the big queue was. So I kind of knew there was going to be a few hundred, but I didn't expect that many. There was a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, absolutely was. And he was he's a trooper sitting there taking photos with everyone. We were in the sun. <laughs> we were some of the first folks in line for the photos. And then we left yeah. and like got a meal and <laughs> drinks and came back and he's still there finishing up. I mean, it's uh, and it's hot. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He really yeah. is. I mean, that, that that takes a lot. And he told me the hardest thing is to sit there and smile the whole day because my, right. my mouth starts to hurt. He said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you so, don't want to, even if the, for the last fan in line, you don't want to be frowning in their photo with you, yeah, you know? Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today. This has been yes. a lot of fun. The The record that's out now is Davy Jones' The Bell Record Story, which is available on CD. It's available on Vinyl LP. You can get it through Deep Discount. You can get it through Amazon. Um, that's here in the U.S. And where would you recommend folks get it from who are ordering from overseas? Well, it's in the UK. It's uh, it, it's Amazon mainly, uh, but it is from if you Google it, it's on pretty much every sort of music retailer's website. Also in the, in the US, 
And we got all the links on our website, on our Facebook groups, and on Twitter. So if you go on there, and uh, uh, you, you can see where you can get it from in your territory. But um, it should be easy to find. It's it's pretty much everywhere out there. Every major retailer. Awesome. Awesome. Ben, and thank you so much for having me. I really this is my first time here, and I really really appreciate you having me. Well, we really appreciate you coming. I had, yeah. the, I had yeah. the opportunity to speak to you very briefly in Athens. I just said hi, and now you're like, oh, I like 7A Records. I don't want to take your time. I know you had a big event going on. <laughs> but it, it's it's really a pleasure because we've been enjoying what you guys have been doing for a long time. And so we, yes. you're, you're welcome anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'd love to be back and uh, hopefully with some more news soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, All very right. much. All right. Thanks for monkeying around. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. 7A. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.